you're listening to the Mind Your Business Podcast. Today, we're going to discuss what it really takes to play a bigger game in your business. So let's do this. Hi, I'm James Wedmore, and with 13 years online, I've built my business to over $9 million in sales per year. And this is the first non-business business podcast that shows you how to apply the principles of spirituality, energy, and mindset to create true and lasting success all from the inside out. This is the Mind Your Business Podcast. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you so much for tuning in to the Mind Your Business Podcast. I am your host with the most... James Wedmore, and I'm about to bring you an extraordinary guest that is going to light your soul on fire. His name is Sanika, the Firestarter Street. I connected with him a few months back when I stumbled across a few of his videos, and I was like, man, I love this guy's message. I love his energy, and we connected, really resonated a lot, and he has a lot to share, and I love it. So, This is like a fantastic episode for anyone here when you find yourself, you know, like in a bit of a funk and you're like, where's that flame that I feel like I'm missing that I had once? Because, you know, we all go through the things that we go through in our business, the ups and downs, the missed expectations, the disappointments, the bad days. That's inevitable just as your successes. And for us to be able to get back on our horse and go at it another day is so important. So we talk about a lot in this episode. It was so good. We talk about what it really means to go all in. We talk about what a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners are not doing that's preventing them from going all in and how they hold themselves back. We talk about alignment, commitment, even the difference in the distinctions of blending the masculine and the feminine energies. So much goodness coming your way. So let me introduce to you and give you a little intro to today's special guest. Sanika, the Firestarter Street, is a powerhouse. He teaches men how to stop negotiating with themselves, pick one path, and go all in. He is a high-powered storyteller and speaker, and he uses spoken word as an innovative method to tell stories for some of the biggest brands in the world. He's worked with Sony, Fox Network, the U.S. Department of Defense, Universal Music Group, and now Inc. Global. And he's today's special guest here on the podcast. So without further ado, let's play that interview for you right now. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am joined here on the show with my very special guest today, Sanika, Sanika Street. So how you doing, buddy? I am good. I'm good. How you doing, man? Good, good. Thanks so, so much for coming on and being here today. Super appreciate it. And I know we have a lot to talk about. Something I'm really excited about hearing from you and your perspective about this concept of going all in and what that means and so much more. Before we do that, (laughs) let's just kind of introduce you a little bit to our listeners for those who don't know you yet. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, What do you do? Who do you help? How do you help them? Absolutely. Absolutely. So my name is Sanyika, the Firestarter Street. I am a performance coach for men. I help men to step into, I teach men resilience, uh, how to cultivate personal resilience, how to cultivate relationships to generate revenue and, you know, to create a holistic life so they can make more impact in the world. Mm. 
You know, this is a program, the way that I teach is about the new age of man. It's for modern men. I say that uh, with, the, and, and with the awareness that the majority of the audience is women, but women listen up because we're about to go real deep and talk mm-hmm. about exactly what it means for your men to stand up, how to stand up so that you work as a duet, you know, so that you work in tandem with a, you know, a powerful man and a powerful woman. This world can't stop. So it's about really combining your two essences so that you can create a powerful unit. That's beautiful. Yeah, I know we have a lot of our female listeners. We also have a lot of couples that work together. Mm. That's something that's been a very common theme that we've seen is a lot of husband, wife, business partners. And a lot of them ironically are like the female entrepreneur that's like the personal brand and the husband's behind the scenes. A lot of the clients yeah. I work with close to that's that's kind of the dynamic that's in place. How did you like get a Rachel into- Hollis, Dave Hollis kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, that kind of that kind of dynamic. Yeah. And a lot of the men that don't want to be in the spotlight. You know, they're totally like want to be behind the scenes. <laughs> I mean, in an ideal world, if my wife said like, I want to go build a personal brand, I'd be like, I'll hide behind the scenes and do all the, the magic behind the curtain. How'd you get into this? Mm, I got into it by shutting the f*** up and listening. <laughs> You're a little uncoachable for a while. <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, you know, when, when you have been operating from a space of scarcity, your primary thing is like, okay, I'm operating from a space of scarcity nothing in my life is, I I am in control of nothing in my life because I'm operating from a space of scarcity. So now my intention is, okay, well, I got to control everything, right? I got to control everything. So I got to control my outcome, control my future control. And so I'm, this is my path. I'm going to do this. This is just it. Right. And so when we talk about the idea of like going all in, it's like, you know, the, the all in, we were just talking about this, but the all in is alignment. Right. So I have to operate in alignment and I wasn't really operating in alignment. I was operating from a place of scarcity. And so I was like, I'm just going to build a really, I'm going to cultivate a powerful speaking career and I'm going to do keynotes and, and that's going to be my entree into being like a Tony Robbins. Cause he's a big guy. I'm a big guy. I'm six, eight. And he's a big guy. And I was like, Oh yeah, yeah. I always wanted to be like that Tony Robbins kind of guy. Everybody calls you motivational, all that kind of stuff. And then I thought to myself, I was like, do you want to be traveling 52 to 104 times a year to city to city, hotel to hotel? And is that the life that you want to be living? And I said, um, and you know, you know, you, you use logic to rationalize your decision. Yeah. You're like, yeah. So yeah, of course I, I'll just, you know, just, just, you know, I'll just hustle for a couple of years, three, four, it'll you be know, fine. Yeah, it'll be <laughs> fine. Yeah. <laughs> and then I said, okay, so, you know, that's not really the thing that I want to do. And then I thought about it from the standpoint of, I didn't want to be a topic guy, if that makes any sense. I didn't mm-hmm. want to be the guy that goes out and talks on this topic, right? I wanted to be somebody that, dis- that had that made such a profound personal stand in the world that they wanted me to come and talk about the stand that I took, mm-hmm. right? So I would much rather be sought after for my stand than necessarily for the topic, you know, and for that to be my entree into being a, a sought after speaker. And so what I did is I pulled my foot off the gas of speaking and then I started listening. I was like, what do people really want from me? You know, what's my greatest gift? Like that Venn diagram. It's like, mm-hmm. what's my, the itchy guy? Like, what's my greatest gift, you know, mixed with my, the thing the world needs mixed with, you know, the timing and the urgency of what it is. And everyone would come to me and they would ask me for support in terms of helping them to transform their life. Right. People came to me for guidance. And so I was listening and I was like, oh, this seems, you know, I've always done that. It's always been me. That's always been, been who I am. And then I thought about it and I was like, okay, this, this makes sense. And I was like, yeah, you can keep on doing this. And then 
when I really dropped in and I sat down and I really sat with it, and then I had some powerful reflection, right? And then that's the listening. The listening comes from listening to what the universe is telling me, what is what divine wisdom, infinite wisdom is telling me, and powerful reflection from people that I trust to help me to cultivate this desire in me of what is trying to get out of me. And what's trying to get out of me is the ultimate gift that is in the greatest service of the person on the receiving end of that service. And how can I reach that? How can I reach into his heart? How can I reach into that person's heart, extract that heart, and then be there to help that person, to guide that person to the next evolution of who they want to be in the world? Like that's transformation. Like I wanted to get on stages and have people applaud. Screw that. Mm. That's ego, right? Mm-hmm. I want so when I when I got down into it, I said I want to transform people's lives. Like, how do I really transform someone's like really get in it and like and not make this an ego mission, but make this like a divine divine mission that's really that's something that's in alignment with me. And I was like, that's my going all in. That and that was the thing. I was like, you know what? Boom, got to go all in on this. And yeah. so, I, you know, fire starter. I burned the bridges, right? And I, I burned all my gray clothes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, yes. and we could talk about that but mm-hmm. I, I was like you know I, I got out rid of all those other things and I said this is the path for me I stepped into the tunnel and I have a belief that once you step into the tunnel that's where the magic happens because there's only one way out there's only there's two, two things you can do when you step into the tunnel you can go back to the person that you used to be right mm-hmm. you can go back to that person or you can see the light at the end of the tunnel and you can see your ultimate calling And then what do I choose in this space? Do I want to go through the tunnel? Well, the monster is in the tunnel, right? The fears, the risk is in the tunnel. There's no out in the tunnel. Well, no, there's no other door in the tunnel because the light at the end of the tunnel is my ultimate reward. It's my desired outcome. Why would I want anything else other than the desired outcome? (laughs) Hell yeah, put me in the tunnel. And I definitely don't want to go back. For what? Dude, I was broke. Mm. Five years ago, double broke in a half. Rock bottom sandwich, right? Driving a 92 BMW 325i, two DUIs, girlfriend paying the bills, like broke, broken, like my life was a mess. Mm. Do I want to go back to that? No. Like at this point, the only monster in 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 the tunnel is my own perception of the identities that I have not shed to become the person that I wanted to be. And so, yeah, if that means going all in, that means I just need a little bit of support to help me when my knees get a little bit weak and my voice gets a little bit shaky. And that's what helped me to get through. Yeah. Wow. That's beautiful. So you demonstrated that. How would you define it in a sentence or two? What does it mean to go all in so that someone else listening would know, are they going all in? Or how would someone know if they're avoiding that? Good question. Going all in is making a non-negotiable commitment to your desired outcome. Yeah. That's pretty simple right there. Yeah. Non-negotiable commitment to your desired outcome. So the questions are like, what is a non-negotiable commitment? How do we come to a desired outcome? Right. And a non-negotiable commitment, non-negotiable means it's not open for discussion. Right. And what I, and the distinction between a non-negotiable commitment and a commitment is, Hey, look, I'm going to commit to my achieving my, my desired outcome. I'm going to be successful in my life. That's what commitment. I'm going to commit to that. But a non-negotiable commitment is time bound. It operates within a parameter. It's time bound. It is specific. It is focused. For instance, ask me how often I work out. 
How, how often? Every single day. Because hmm. my non-negotiable commitment is 60 minutes during the 90 days that I, that I, I do a 90-day sprint through the, the process that I walk a lot of guys through. And that process is 60 minutes every day. That's my non-negotiable commitment. But what I do is I make a non-negotiable commitment to my fitness, to taking care of my health. What hmm. a lot of people do is they make a non-negotiable commitment to the wrong thing. During COVID, everybody made a commitment to go to the gym every day. What happens when they close down the gym? <laughs> right? Yeah. I don't need the gym. I rock it. <laughs> I rock it. I don't need no gym. I don't need nothing. The thing is, is that I made the non-negotiable commitment to something at a foundational level that was connected to me, that made me powerful. So regardless of whether they closed something or opened something or did something or whatever, I'm in here and I can rock it. And so when I made my non-negotiable commitment to the time parameter that I was going to work out during the course of a day, all of a sudden creativity emerges. How in the world am I going to work out for 60 minutes? Of that? <laughs> yeah. right? So then all of a sudden that's where the resilience kicks in. It's like, oh yeah, I can do this. I can walk. I can do all these different things to get myself into alignment. But the main thing I'm going to do is I'm going to commit to the time parameter over a finite period of time so that I can, I can focus in on this to see a result. Yeah. And I love it's non-negotiable. There's just, there's no way out. You don't give yourself an exit, you know? You don't give yourself an exit. Yeah. And then the question goes, well, why would I want to give myself an exit? Mm, yeah. Right. So, you know, I'm with that. I, I believe in it in the principle of Steve Jobs' black shirt. Well, and you taught, you said you, you burned all your gray shirts. You want to talk about that? <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> I had a conversation with a, a very large membership organization today. And the conversation revolved around uh, revenue. And, you know, and a lot of people, entrepreneurs, I'm sure they can, can identify with this, but they go, you know, when we make more revenue, we'll be able to hire more people so that we can, you know, scale up operations and do more things. And I was like, I was like, but you got to look at the sequence of things. Things happen in sequence. There's an order to things. What comes before the doing, right? The when I make money. So when we make money, we can do this. Mm -hmm. My mom used to always say that. My mom raised four kids, right? When I make some money, we're going to go to this place to do this thing or whatever like that. And so that's deeply embedded in me. You know, and my mother raised, again, four kids. But, you know, we pick up those things from our parents. And so what happens? I said, what comes before what we choose to do? It's who we choose to be. Then what we choose to do. Who we choose to be. What we choose to do. Then leads to what we have the tangible outcome and the transformational outcome. In every aspect of my life, I want to be able to make a powerful conscious choice for the parts that are the most important for me, right? And for me, making powerful conscious choices is about living in that, like at the, at the precipice of making a decision, that's a black and white choice. It's a yes or a no, right? When I'm choosing in on my life, is a yes or no. So it's about gaining clarity to get out of that gray area, to get to the point where I make a conscious choice, yes or no. And being decisive is that value that I associate with it. So that's why I burned all my gray clothes. Mm -hmm. And I literally burned everything. Like I burned, I burned a clothes that had gray in them. <laughs> wow. I burned uh, like slacks. I got like suits. I mean, it was gone. It was over. And that means that I'm also no longer wearing the color gray. Mm -hmm. And so that means if I'm in a wedding and the color of the groomsmen is charcoal or gray, that means that either I'm going to ask them to change the color of the clothes or we're going to have to find a different, 
color of the clothes. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, you know, or I'm just going to be a spectator and sitting in the audience. You know, for me, it's a really powerful choice, you know, mm-hmm. and, and those are the kind of choices that I want to live with. And, you know, not everybody has to per se to burn their great clothes, but when it comes to making the, the most critical decisions for the, the things that matter the most for us, um, those have to be non-negotiable. Yeah. I love that. Well, you've talked a bit about alignment. Will you give your definition? What does that mean? What does alignment mean? And how does that relate with what you're sharing about going all in? You know, I think alignment is, let me start with what alignment isn't. (laughs) Alignment is not going for the thing that makes the most money. It's not going for the thing that gets you the most praise. It's not going for the thing that gets you, you know, the, the most accolades or, you know, or just, you know, people patting you on the back or any of those things. Like for me, alignment is doing the thing that lights me up, right? That, that operates from, you know, it's the intersectionality of my greatest gift, what makes me joy and the, and the value that people need in the world, the service of it, the, what people need from me that intersection, it's that intersectionality. So if I'm operating from a space of what is in alignment with me, what is fully in, in me as a, in, and I've gained clarity on those things, that's what alignment is. Like it, it's, it's coming from that place in the center of the icky guy where it's like my greatest gift, but the, the thing the world needs and the thing that lights me up. And it's like, boom, that's where it's at. Mm-hmm. You know? So that's what, what a, alignment represents. And I think that you know, when, and I'm, I'm not sure if you experience this, especially in your teaching, but I mean, I would imagine that everybody, every teacher experiences this to some degree is that people come into your world and they think that they want this one thing, mm-hmm. but then they end up realizing that the, the work is much deeper. You know, it's much deeper to get to that place where, so that they can go all in on their business, you know, yeah. and yeah, the business becomes the process, but who do you want to be? Mm. What are the values that you want to hold on to? You know, the work I do is deep work around the values that you want to embody, right? The values, the mission that you want to be on, you know, what you want to achieve in the, like physically and what you want that to feel. And so gaining clarity on those things. So the very first thing that I have to do is I have to come to a state of self-awareness, right? And so that is a process of literally writing out what it is that I want in my life, creating my vision. I call it a pivot, powerful, inspiring vision of tomorrow. Mm. So I need to, to create that pivot. That pivot is going to help me. It's going to give me the thing that I'm moving towards because that's what we're doing. We're moving towards the future. So the very first thing is to gain self-awareness, to identify, and, and this is a good exercise for people who are really looking to really define is what are the limiting beliefs or the identities that I currently have right now that may be holding me back? I'll give you a perfect example of a limiting belief. When I first moved to LA 15 years ago, oh yeah, about 15 years ago, I was acting on, in, on, in TV shows on Fox and I was you know, doing that kind of thing. And then I thought to myself, I said, um, you know, I just want to make enough money to live. Mm. But there's a tricky word that's a limiting belief in there. Can you hear it? Well, enough or to enough. live? Enough. <laughs> like just to survive, right? Yeah, enough. Yeah. Enough. So I just mm-hmm. want to make enough. 
Mm-hmm. And so what happens is that if I, if I choose to be an enough kind of guy, mm-hmm. then that means that I will do enough actions to make enough money to then just survive. Right. Yeah. So we don't even catch it. That's how tricky our mind is, is that we don't even catch the thing that's limiting us. And that's why it's always great to have a third party observer, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Because we can't catch the thing. I just want it enough. And so if all I want is enough, it will produce enough actions. I will do enough things and then I will have enough. And the thing about enough is that when you get to enough, it doesn't necessarily, it doesn't appreciate in value because you only got enough to pay the bills. Now I'm actually at a deficit. <laughs> so I'm actually more. lost. You need right. more. Right. <laughs> and so, and so the question is, is do I want more? Hmm. Can I have more? And how do I feel about wanting more? Because then when you start talking about more, then people start getting in, well, you know, then they start getting into their money story, right? Into their money story and the stories that they got passed down from their parents, the generational trauma associated with it and say, no, you know what? You can't have more because more is only for people who either grew up in a certain kind of way or who do bad things with money or all of that other kind of stuff. And that becomes the, the, the narrative that prevents people from wanting more in their lives. And then, the, and so, the, so then I found myself in that space and I said, you know what? I'm going to conquer my my money story. My, my money story is going to be my Mount Everest. And so I set a 10 year goal starting at the beginning of this year. Mm. The 10 year goal from this date to January 1st, 2020 to January 1st, 2030 to exit my company for $250 million. Mm. And that's my number, right? And the way that I move towards that number that story is the same as the equivalent of a non-negotiable commitment. And one of, to me, the equivalent of $250 is the equivalent of one more push-up. Hmm. Because what I was doing in my life previously is I was living for enough. I was just doing, I was just living for enough. But now anytime I tell myself that I'm going to do 10 push-ups, I do 11. If I owe you a hundred dollars, I'm giving you 101. Hmm. I'm re- developing the muscle memory in my life and my body so that I get into the habit of doing more. And if I create abundance, then abundance flows in, Mm -hmm. but I can initiate it. People want abundance. Like it's it's like the mailman coming with millions of checks. And it's just like, here's abundance. It's just handing on your lap. I'm like, no, no, no. (laughs) I get to, I get to manifest abundance through my actions as well. I get to do the abundance thing. So I get to create one more one more push up, one more this, one more that, because I'm going for more. And that more is the representation of $250 million. And that a company is also creating 250 first time millionaires. And that mm. goal to have that as, as an accompanying piece, because that's my Mount Everest. I'm conquering my money story in this lifetime. And to, to have $250 million, you need to be a good steward of money. So that means that I get to conquer every other narrative I had around money, that I'm a bad money manager, that I can't handle money, that I can't keep money, that I don't know how to invest it. And I get to flip them all on our heads and say, you know what? I'm conquering this thing because this is the way that I want to teach people to live their life, right? I'm not just fighting for myself. I'm no longer fighting for likes and loves and shares. I'm looking to actually make a transformation in the lives of people through the way that I see so that the the men that I serve can help to step into their greatest potential. This is a deeply personal thing. So this is the work that that we get to do in this lifetime by going all in.
And for the, the ladies that are listening to this, you know, that are a man who is not on his mission, who is lost in his mission, who is seeking his purpose. And so there are many women who may be listening to this say, you know, there's a guy, my husband, he feels like he doesn't have his purpose. He can't find his purpose. He doesn't know his purpose. He doesn't understand his purpose. And I'm here to tell you, please listen. Please write this down. Please take note. He does not have a purpose. He does not have a purpose. He has purposes. There's an S. Mm. It's plural. We have purposes in this lifetime. And those purposes start with who we choose to be. And what most people look for in their purpose is what I choose to do. It's be, do, have, not do, have, be. Mm -hmm. I get to choose who I want to be in this moment. I want to be bold. I want to be daring. I want to be accountable. That's one of your purposes, right? And then as you choose to be bold, how does being bold show up in your relationship with your kids? How does being bold show up in your relationship with your business? How does being bold show up in the bedroom? How does being bold show up in your money? How does being bold show up in terms of how you take care of your health? And then if I make a non-negotiable commitment to being bold in my life, how else will this manifest the things that I want in my life? Amazingly, all of a sudden, mm -hmm. all of these other things start to come to pass. And it's like, wow, I just needed the order. I just needed the sequence. I had the sequence out of, out, of, out of sequence. I was trying to do this thing. So I have this thing to then be or feel or, or hold this value. But if I choose to move in a way where I choose before I get the money, before I get the stuff, and then I choose that as the way that I choose to move through the world, all of a sudden I create a ripple effect. And then everything that I want, then it comes into my frequency because they see the bold move. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this because Sanika, you have so much like of that enthusiasm, that passion, that fire. Do you meet clients, men or, or women that don't have that? Maybe we can call it learned helplessness, you know, mm. where they've given up or just like, well, what's the point? Yeah, I've heard this, you know. Well. And if you have, I'm curious, what do you think causes that for someone to lose that drive, if you will. Cause I've always had that. Like I've always been so passionate and then I come around people that don't have it. I'm like, aren't you excited? <laughs> like <laughs> all these things. And they're like, eh, you know, what separates those, you know, someone like yourself and someone who's just kind of like, I think the best way I label it is like that learned helplessness. Do you have any thoughts on that? Mm. Yeah. Learned helplessness is a really powerful way to put it. Mm -hmm. It resonates on a deep, deep level because I, I was, I mean, when I'm, you fast back seven, eight years ago when I was had my two DUIs, I was working at this job, making $11 an hour. I was 32. I'm 40 years old now. And I was, you know, 32. I was working a job hiding from the world. I was literally hiding. And so that, you know, me hiding from the world, I, I didn't want to see myself. You know, I didn't want to see myself. I didn't want to see what my potential was. I was like, it. It feels like it's over. I mean, how do you go from doing national TV shows to working a job, making $11 an hour part-time with no commission and just nothing? <laughs> just yeah. like, I was lost, man. And, and that was a really dark, deep, dark period of time for me. And I was falling back into learned helplessness. Because here's the thing I didn't understand is that, you know, somebody asked me the other day, they said, um, to your point about the learned helplessness, 
is that somebody who has a learned helplessness, they go out and they seek somebody for coaching or counsel or mentor. And then they go to the mentor and they say, you know, I, I need your help. And, you know, and this one person, I've had, a, I've had a few clients like that, a handful of clients, but this one person came to me and they said, you know, are you a healer? And I said, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. No, I'm not a healer. And your body is a healer. Mm. Your spirit's a healer. I said, so no, I am not a healer. And you need to renegotiate in your mind that I am going to heal you, that I am going to fix you, that I am going to save you. Because here's what happens in your mind. If I am the person that is here to save you and I don't save you, then I just gave you an out because now you can make me the villain. Mm -hmm. Now I become the bad guy because I didn't save you the way you needed to be saved, right? And so what happens is, is my job is to push you in the tunnel. What are you afraid of? Generally speaking, it's a shame or guilt thing. Learned helplessness operates in the two lowest frequencies and the book Power Versus Force, you know, is that the two lowest frequency emotions are shame and guilt. And generally it happens when people are not being witnessed in their shit. That's why you go to AA and you sit in a circle so you can be witnessed. So you can talk out what it is that you have going on in a way that allows you to create your own personal freedom. And so what is the pathway to channeling or traveling beyond learned helplessness? Brene Brown speaks of it and it is vulnerability, my friend. Yeah. Vulnerability. You got to let it all out. Where are you at? No, where are you really at? No, 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 no. Where are you really at? <laughs> Where's your mm -hmm. money at? You got an addiction problem? Got it. I had a drinking problem, for sure. Every time I drank, I got in problems. Yeah, I just got a drinking problem. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, so, you know, how's sex in the bedroom? Not going great? Got it. Yeah. Got it. You know, what's happening? What's really going on? Like, so learned helplessness is this cover, right? It's a societal cover that says, oh, I am apathetic, but we are not really apathetic. You're not really not caring. That's not because you wouldn't invest in somebody if you didn't really care. You wouldn't go to somebody if you didn't really care. You're just trying to shield yourself from being from the desire or the need to be vulnerable. And we can't get to the mountaintop unless you tell me that you're afraid to climb the mountain. Mm -hmm. We have to submit in that moment to our own our shame and guilt. And then what happens is that as we break through, as you know, Brene so beautifully puts it, when we break through our own vulnerability, when we break through that the, the, the wall of our own vulnerability, which we think paints us as weak, all of a sudden we become powerful. And then we become liberated. And then we find the thing that everybody says that they're looking for outside on the street when they walk in terms of masks and all that other stuff. And they're like, yeah, you know, they're trying to take away our freedom. I'm like, no, 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 no. Your liberation and your freedom is within you. If you are vulnerable, if you allow that vulnerability to come in, come through you, and for you to speak what's on your heart, all of a sudden, you are now creating your own liberation from the judgment of others. That's the beauty of vulnerability. So learned helplessness, the best combatant for that is vulnerability. Mm. That's beautiful, man. I love that. Thank you. Thank you, man. Oh, yeah. So when you, you mentioned early on when you were sharing your story in this episode about divine mission, do you feel like when someone is in alignment, it is a divine mission or there, is that where it elevates to for somebody? It's almost like it's a calling. It's something bigger than them and it's something more like divinely inspired. Yeah. 
I think when you're going all in, if you're going all in for pats on the back and for ego and for your own financial reward, mm. it can only take you so far. You'll get numb at some point because the vision is not serving of the world. And so going all in means going all in for the greater good of yourself and others, right? So, yeah. you know, so I get to, we get to, you know, we all get to, to sort of move in, in, in what I like to call like, you know, the job of the acorn. The job of the acorn is, you know, people, you know, an acorn falls from a tree and then an acorn gets, you know, buried in some soil or whatever like that. And then it gets nutrients and water and sun and everything and starts to sprout. And then a lot of people go, oh, well, an acorn just grew into a tall oak tree, right? And it's, yeah, it's, it's a tall oak tree. And that's a representation of you growing into your power, you being all loved and, you, you know, you used to be small, but now you're big and you used to be this and now you're that and all that transformation that you've accomplished. But that's not the job of an acorn. The job of an acorn is not to grow into an oak tree. The job of an acorn is to make more acorns. Mm. It grows into an oak tree so it can yield more acorns. If I understand that my job is me, regardless of who I think I am, right? If I put myself as a guy on the assembly line and I'm just doing my job and then I operate in service of the greater good of the organization, going all in in that way, operating in alignment and that conveyor belt is the alignment. And we're all on the conveyor belt and we're all on the assembly line and we're all doing the job for the greater good of the organization that everybody eats on that assembly line. Right. Everybody gets the rewards. Everybody yields their own fruit, their own personal fruit so, this, so that we can create this ultimate outcome so that we can create this thing. Right. And my, my mission is to create more. Man, I get just, I get chills thinking about it, mm. like to think about creating more men to step into their full potential to be leaders in this world. You know, for any other people who are in the service industry who say there's too many coaches and too many consultants and too many speakers, I'm like, no, 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 it's not too many. You're not seeing, like, you know, people used to always say, oh, yeah, I see the same people when I go out. I'm like, you don't see the same people. You just, you, you know, well, say small world, excuse me. And be like, yeah, mm -hmm. small world, right? Small world, because I see the same people. I'm like, you just go to the same bar every Friday, right? <laughs> it's, like, it's, not, it's not a small yeah. world. It's not yeah. a small world. You're just in an echo chamber and you need to get out the echo chamber and you need to see there gets to be more men stepping into their ultimate potential to be protectors of women, to serve the world, to understand the value that they possess, to be better fathers for their children, to be better leaders in their homes, to understand that their women are equals, to understand that there are partners in their houses, to understand that they have roles and responsibilities, to understand how they step up in this world. Like, this is what we get to do as men. And so uh, the reason why this is really important, especially for women, is because this is a space, this moment in time, with all this transition happening and everything from Me Too, and a lot of men feel very threatened by all of it. Black Lives Matter, all of this stuff. That's how we met. And it's like, they feel very threatened by this because the world is changing. It's supposed to change. Mm -hmm. It's supposed to change. And we have to step into this new environment of change to embrace the fact that we are leading this charge and be resilient. Resilience is adaptability to change. Herculitis said, the only constant in this world is change. Mm -hmm. There you go. Yeah. How do we get to adapt to it? How do we get to not only adapt, to evolve through it, you know, to step into this new era of the world. 
and to do so in a way where we get to see ourselves in a different way. We get to cultivate the relationships that are going to, that are going to help us to move forward where I don't have to go, you know what? I can only focus on my business. And then when I, when I get the money, then mm-hmm. I'm going to get me a woman, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When I get the money, I'm going to get me a lady. Like now we get to do it with her. Mm. Yeah. Now we get to do it together. Now we get to cultivate the relationship together and to build that life together. So, Well, you predominantly work with men, but I know you speak about the difference of the masculine versus feminine energies. You want to touch upon that for a moment? Sure. And I do have a, I have a, I have a few women clients, but the majority of the work that I do is all with men. Mm. Right? So masculine energy is the, it's the structure of the building. Right? The masculine is the, is the structure. It is the, um, the framework, right? And the feminine energy is the fluidity, is the creative force, right? It's the paintings on the walls. It is the beautiful, you know, the ability to, to create and to cultivate different, you know, things in the environment that add our flair. It's the paintings behind you, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And so we get to cultivate an environment. And so what happens a lot of times is people go masculine, feminine, man, woman. No, not really. Not really. What it really means is, is that we both possess masculine and feminine energies in us. Every person, regardless of you, the most manly man in the world, or you the most womanly woman, mm-hmm. we all possess masculine and feminine energies. So we all have a desire and craving for structure. And at the same time, we have a desire and a craving for fluidity. And so what a lot of times people do is they go, you know, they go for the either or. Right. So they go either or, and that becomes the, you know, either it's going to be fully structured and I'm going to live like a military man, or I'm going to have a thing where I am creating this, like, you know, fully structured or totally free. And I can just float and just do what I want and be totally free. And my belief is that when we have better structure in our lives, when we have a solid foundation, it gives us the framework to create art. Like, for instance, you wouldn't be able to put those paintings on walls Mm. if you did not have a foundational structure. Mm -hmm. And that's what we get to create. So we get to embrace the masculine structural elements of life. And we get to embrace the feminine aspects in terms of the creativity, the fluidity, and the flow so that we can operate from a space of alignment. Right. And so that's where I feel like alignment really comes from. And that's when we talk about going all in. Right. It's not just charging through the door, you know, because you want to accomplish something. It's tapping into the thing that deeply connects with you, that center point in the Venn diagram, tapping into that thing that deeply connects with who you are as a person, you know, who you want to serve, how you want to serve them, and then making sure that you are that you're so self-aware about your desire for structure and the foundational elements, your desire to be fluid and to be creative and to be all those different things. And then you just move, Mm. you know, you walk into the tunnel. That's the most important part is that I've got to step into the tunnel. I got to make sure that that thing about the tunnel is going to be the, and when I step into the tunnel is going to be the, it's going to allow me to, to embrace and to like embrace this journey. Cause I believe that the light at the end of the tunnel is going to create my pivot. It's going to create my future. Like that's the thing that's going to be created as a result of this. Mm-hmm. So I am, so like that becomes the, 
the most important component of this whole process is like stepping into that, embracing those, that masculine feminine aspect of me, that self-awareness, making sure that I'm in alignment with who I, who, who I am and what it is I want to be about and then moving towards that ultimate desired outcome. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. This has been amazing, man. Is there anything else that you want to share or offer that you feel like maybe you haven't gotten a chance to that would have this episode really be complete for you and our listeners? Hmm. Let me feel that for a second. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Here's a question. Mm -hmm. What do you feel like is the biggest challenge that you get from your community? What challenges do they face? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I talk about how, you know, growth happens at, in stages, right? So different challenges at different stages, but uh, there's a large amount of our listeners who are going to be at one of those first few stages of starting a business and they're starting a personal brand business. So a lot of the self doubt creeps up, creeps in. That's what you've been talking about. They have not gone all in. They're still on the sidelines. They're waiting for everything to be perfect. They're waiting for the permission. People that are waiting for all the stars to align before they get going, hesitating, you know, nervous because, you know, and I've, I've talked to our um, business by design students about this just this past week. The moment you become a personal brand, you really do have a target on you. You know, eyeballs are on you. There's also a target on you. And people really struggle with that. They struggle with the group judgment, you know, criticism, the ridicule, the rejection, all of that. And mm -hmm. it's like, so I want to have that influence. I want to have that purpose. I know I can reach more people, help people, but I can't face that rejection. That's a big thing that people struggle with. Mm, got it. Yeah. That resonates on a deep level. Mm -hmm. Cause that was me. Yeah. That was me. And just to let you know, you know, I played college basketball at the university of Maryland, Eastern shore. And I've always been the biggest guy when I walk into a room, hmm. I ain't never had a problem getting nobody's attention. Never. I've never had a problem of being received, being felt when I walked into a room. What I have had a problem with is with the imposter syndrome. Right. I've had a problem mm -hmm. with the imposter syndrome with believing that I am not worth or I am not worth what I, everybody else thinks I'm worth. Mm -hmm. You know, six to seven years ago, I'm walking into rooms and people are like, oh, you know, what do you do? What are you about? You know, they're like, oh, you know, you got your stuff together. And I'm like, when you when you see the car, I got parked outside with <laughs> with, with no uh, bad tags and a, and a suspended license. You, you know, you, mm -hmm. you, you might think different, you know, mm -hmm. um, and I think the thing about the imposter syndrome is here's some, it's something really powerful. The imposter syndrome is when you feel that you are not worthy or capable of, of the accomplishments that you have already accomplished, or you're not w worthy of future accomplishments because you're not the, like, you're not the, 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 the person who is destined to do it or the, the best person to do it. It's somebody who's better suited and better qualified other than you. Yeah. But here's the way that the world works. And this is really going to only resonate for a few people because that's just the nature of things. And hopefully out of the few people, that few people, one of those few people is you. And you is whoever this is resonating for. I'll repeat that. Only a few people are going to resonate with this. Only a few. Everybody's not going to resonate with it. Somebody's going to go, 
into learned helplessness. Oh, yeah, I've heard that before. Yeah, they just gobbledygook. Yeah, he's just this guy talking, trying to motivate me or inspire me. Or Yeah, 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 I've heard it all before. So this is only going to resonate for a few people. Hopefully one of those people is you. When we think of the imposter syndrome, when we think about the idea of, you know, I'm not ready and I can't do it and I'm not capable, I'm not worthy and I'm not anything like that. Imagine what your parents felt like when they had you. The reason why parenthood is such a powerful, powerful gift is because nobody's prepared for that. Even if you prepare for it, even if you planned it, you still don't know what you're getting yourself into. Even if you had it all planned out money and all, you still don't know what you're getting yourself into. You still don't know, but you made the commitment. It was non-negotiable. Like, yeah, got to the point where we're going to have this baby. And then you pop out a baby. And now you want this 18, 36, 80 year ride of your life. And you are iterating and figuring it out on the fly. And the reason why a lot of people, and so when you think about it, it's like, yeah, it's because you have to feed another human being. Their livelihood depends on your success. And that's why it's so easy for a lot of people to invest all of their time and energy into their children. Because, yeah, because I can just invest in this because all I, I know, I know what it is now. I know I got to keep them alive. I got to keep, that's my primary job. I got to keep them alive, keep them fed, keep them safe, keep them whatever. I got to keep them alive. And I don't know how to do it. And there's a lot of magicians out there. Magicians are single parents single fathers, single mothers. My mom was a magician. She raised four kids by herself. I don't know how she did it. It was magic. It was magic the way she kept food on our table. It was magic the way she supplied for us. It was magic the way she taught us. Every iota of of my persona that is on this podcast with you is because of my mom. I am grateful to her because of it. And as a result of her magic, it is my, now she has imbued me with her magic And so now I stand at the precipice of this tunnel and then her spirit asked me a question. Are you going to walk in the motherfucking tunnel or are you going to give up? Are you going to like to, to punk out on the magic that I gave you? I imparted magic on you, not just wisdom, magic on you and in you. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't have a process. I didn't have a system. I didn't have none of that stuff. I had four kids I had to keep alive. And that was a responsibility that I took on and I could have tapped out. You could have been in, you know, you could have been in foster care. But I took on the challenge. I stepped in the tunnel. I saw the light at the end of the tunnel. I saw that if I did this job and I did this with the utmost of my abilities at the center of that Venn diagram in full alignment, understanding the desired outcome, that I could take myself to this place and I could create powerful contributing citizens of this world. And that's what my mom has in her four kids. Imagine if you can do that with yourself. And imagine if the thing that you need to do is that your business is not about your goal and it's not about your, but it's about keeping me alive. The people that you serve, the people that you serve need your magic. That's why you got to get out of your head that you're doing this just for you. You're not going all in just for your dream. You're going all in for them. You got to keep them alive. 
my hope is anchoring for, on you. There's a phrase that I've embodied and I do a couple of speeches on it, but it's called your fans are waiting. Like your fans are waiting. Like the people that need you are waiting for you to give them your unique medicine. And the only thing that you need to do is say, yes, I am ready. How do we get to that space where we're getting beyond the idea is when I get out of the idea that I'm doing this all for me. I'm doing this to keep other people alive. I'm doing my job on the assembly line. I'm going to work. And only a few people are going to get this because a lot, because again, there's going to be people who are like, oh, this is just gobbledygook. He's trying to motivate <laughs> me. He's trying to inspire me. He's trying to do all this stuff. But I'm telling you this from the deepest place in my heart that the reason that I'm doing this is because I know what it's like to look at yourself and not see your ultimate potential. Hmm. I know what it's like to look in the mirror and not like the reflection on the other end. I know what it's like. And so what I'm saying is that, and I'm so grateful for people who believed in me. There's a quote from Les Brown. It says, sometimes you need to believe in somebody else's belief in you until your belief is strong enough to kick in. And that's exactly what happened with me. I had people who believed in me when I was at my lowest point and they said, you know what? I think you could do something great in this world. And I'm going to hold you up. I'm going to walk with you through the tunnel so you can get to the light at the other end of the tunnel. Just make me a promise. Just make me a promise that when somebody else is at the other end of the tunnel, that you walk them through the same way I walked you through. Mm. Got it. Done. Yeah. Sanika, man, so beautiful. Thank you, dude. This has been incredible. Thank you, brother. Of course. Where can our listeners go to connect with you, learn more about you? They can go to firestarterlive.com. And they can go to at Firestarter Live on Instagram to hit me up. And awesome. I'm accessible. So reach out, <laughs> tell me what you think. And I would love to hear from you. And I appreciate, you know, James, I, I really appreciate the, the way that you connected, that we connected. You reached out to me and, you know, I, I appreciate just, you know, your, your presence and mm. your intentionality in terms of you know, like really making a connection. So I really appreciate that. And I'm really excited and honored to be a, to be presenting for the community as well. So yeah. thank you all for listening as well. Yeah. We will link all of Sanika's handles and links up in the show notes for you guys. So please, please, please reach out to them. Let them know which part of this episode, which parts, plural, had the biggest impact on you, what resonated with the most, what Sanika said that lit the biggest fire under your arse. <laughs> Let him know. <laughs> I know he's going to, he's really going to appreciate it again, brother. Thank you so much for coming on and thank you to our listeners for listening, for tuning in and making it all the way to the end. Appreciate you guys so much. We'll see you on the next episode here on the mind business podcast. Take care. Did you know eight out of 10 businesses fail within their very first 18 months? I believe being an entrepreneur means unlearning everything that we've been taught our entire lives about what it really means to be successful, which is why I've created a brand new audio program entitled Activate. I wanna show you how to think, act, and behave like the successful entrepreneur that you were meant to be so you can step into the vision that you have for your life and your business. And the best part is, this program is yours absolutely free. To register right now, simply visit www.jameswedmore.com forward slash activate, and we can get started right now.